and welcome to The New Conspiracist, the podcast that gets to the heart of the questions that eat you up. Is the moon hollow? Is the earth flat? And does the Daily Mail have control of Michael Gove's mind? Hello, James. How are, how are you this week? So, well, I mean, everything's great in the world, isn't it? So, um, depending so, when this goes out, we may or may not have uh, descended into global thermonuclear war. So, yeah. hey, I'm and, feeling, you know, good spirits. This week, uh, we're joined by someone who um, I think it's fair to say is, yeah, I think it's fair enough to describe her as literally an up-and-coming British comedy legend in the making. Uh, prestigious awards already being sort of thrown at her from places like, I don't know, the Edinburgh Festival, but someone as well who I've got into a fair amount of scrapes with. I am talking about, of course, the indomitable, the one and only Sophie Duca. How are you doing, mate? Hey, I'm coming. I'm up. I'm ready. This Great. is exciting. <laughs> you, you're, you're climaxing. I'm, I'm literally. I'm. I literally cannot stop climaxing that at is, the light and being on this show. I've got to be honest. That is the first for the podcast. I mean, it's a pretty good way to start. I mean, no, I, I, I think you may have misheard the words. This is exciting, Joel, and your brain went somewhere else. I mean, it's it's all interlinked. The French called it a little death, and so do I. <laughs> well, and there, and, and there goes my career. Um, so, um. Dude, what a year you've had, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I mean what a year everyone's all. had, but specifically for me, it's been nice. Totally, but, but talking, <laughs> talking in the sort of comedic calendar year, obviously we've just gone through the Edinburgh Festival that never was. Mm. But, you know, last year your show got a lot of hype. Do you want to just tell people a bit who might not have seen it what it was about? Yeah, if you haven't seen me or that show, uh, you never may again because of the plague. <laughs> but um, last year I did my debut show at the Edinburgh Fringe, which was a show called Venus. Uh, and I was very honoured, very blessed, very lucky to be nominated for the Newcomer Award for that show. Um and I guess every comedian that brings a show to Edinburgh and is like, I'm going to do it right. Or like, it's kind of like a big, um, like sort of debutante moment in your career. Yeah. Uh, so I spoke a lot uh, specifically about, um, like kind of how black women are fetishized and like kind of loved and adored and reviled and ignored in the media. Um, connecting it to the story of Saki Bartman, who was a real life, uh, person, uh, the black Venus who was exhibited in freak shows in Europe, uh, was taken from her home in South Africa to Europe and was, yeah, sort of looked at and poked at and written about and used to serve all kinds of narratives that were convenient to uh, science and culture at the time. Wow. I mean, it's like, I think it's quite interesting that we've managed to get onto the idea of convenient narratives quite nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie has been a sort of stalwart part of uh, Frankie Boyle's new series, New World Order. It's the most recent series. Fantastic show if you haven't checked it out. Um, and then was the subject of what I can only describe as a completely cynical and utterly contrived pylon, um, which consisted, Sophie, you, you can tell me if I'm not if I'm getting this slightly wrong, but essentially being taken out of context as if you were supposed to be saying that you were into people like me, who is white, being killed by black people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was kind of the kind of thrust of the thing was this black Marxist terrorist, as I got like, tagged on Instagram sometimes. That is great. Black Marxist terrorist. I mean, that's amazing. I did uh, with some really talented uh, comedians, 
an episode of Frankie Boyle's New World Order that focused on Black Lives Matter um, for half of the program. And it was, I think, probably not unique, but definitely noteworthy in that there were three black comics Mm. speaking about it on the show, as well as the wonderful Sarah Pascoe and Frankie himself. And yeah, a lot of like, we weren't quite deep. I'm not really sure what was edited because I didn't watch the full episode until after the shit show. And I was like, I'll distance myself from it and watch it in a month or two. Mm. But basically what is like a two hour conversation gets condensed into 30 minutes. Um, but like there were big ideas, there was like real shit said, and it was a really good conversation during which I don't think I said anything controversial. Um, but then again, that wasn't really the point of, of what was the manufactured response to the show. Well, it was literally black female comic Marxist says she wants to kill white people. It's Black Lives Matter glosses over the complexity of a world where we all need to come together and kill whitey. That was what Frankie, how Frankie announced the motion. That's what we were meant to talk about. And obviously that had been pre-written by him, pre-approved by the producers. You don't have to say all this, but that's the first. No, no, I think that's, that's sort of the key point of this kind of concocted bullshit, isn't it? Like everyone who kicks off this kind of mob knows that these things on this kind of show are written by the hosts or the producers they're shaped through and it's a comedy show it's not meant to be a literal thing they know all of that and then they have to perform this sort of stupidity to be able to like attack people and try and claim a fake moral high ground don't they yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's all connected, like the dust was still settling after Diversity's dance, um, which apparently shook the table of power. Uh, <laughs> like we've had like an incredibly emotional summer uh, in terms of Black Lives Matter and equality in general. And they know that that's going to get people riled up, whether or not it's actually true. Uh, and then it trickled from kind of yeah, like kind of like a fringe sort of niche, sort of very right world into the mainstream, the wonderful mainstream of the Daily Mail. Uh, And at each point, you could see people actively trying to cynically get clicks or get interest in the story to which there isn't that much substance. Yeah, yeah. So look, you, um, uh, each week, obviously, we look at uh, a particular conspiracy, but I am extremely excited as a huge fan of Stranger Things, the Netflix show, on what you have to talk to us about today, Sophie. So okay. this, this, this is such a cool uh, conspiracy this week. I did not know this one. Oh, oh my did God, you this not? Is so I this, mean, is the first, this is the first one of the season that I didn't know before like looking into it a bit for this episode. So I'm really stoked for this. Actually, hang on. Before we get into the actual conspiracy theory, let me ask you what I usually ask my, you know, our guests, which was, what was your kind of entry-level conspiracy theory? Were you like a 9-11-er? Did, you, did that get you? Did you watch Zeitgeist? Like, what got you into the old conspiracy theory world? Uh, I don't know what, I think I've always been like a bit skeptical. I think I feel very close to some of the, some of the, I don't know what the technical term is, nut jobs uh, that uh, you maybe discuss in, or maybe that's not fair to call them nut jobs, especially as I, je suis nut job. But um, I think I've always been skeptical since being a kid about stuff like magic and also about like the finger being pointed at the wrong person. So I remembered 9-11, I remember that immediately on that day, they were like, 
um, putting pictures of like Osama bin Laden being like, it's probably this guy. And I was like, that is, that is so unfair and so dangerous to put his picture on the internet. <laughs> a primary school kid. I was just like, you don't broadcast that. If you've got your suspicions, don't put them on the television. Not really knowing anything about who he was or like what, but I was just, I think I kind of, I, I really rarely want to go with the first thing. Also, I do believe that Avril Lavigne uh, was uh, replaced. Um, so, oh my absolutely. god! Yeah, absolutely. We, we all know that that's you know that's undisputedly the case. Yeah. So, and just just to help the Daily Mail with their headlines, there that that is yes, the new conspiracist yeah. is officially launching the Justice for Osama <laughs> bin Laden campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you uh, can you tell us what your uh, what your conspiracy theory for this week is? I usually intro them, but it feels like it. Okay, has yeah, to I, be will, you. I will. I shall. Uh, my conspiracy theory is. The Montauk Project. The Montauk Project, which is, it, it took place on Long Island. This is a kind of New York-based, New York State-based conspiracy theory. Yeah, and New so, York conspiracy. In the, kind of, in the kind of realms, if you like kind of Area 51, you'll love this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, the thing I like about it is that there's a lot going on. So it's got um, mind control, kid kidnappings, time travel, like a weird sort of psychic beast that arrives from another dimension, uh, brainwashing, like it packs a lot in. I don't think it needs all the elements that it currently has floating around, but it's a, uh, it's chocker. Uh, they've, they've really not skimped on it, have they? Like budget-wise, they've they've put everything into this. I love it. I love that there's like just just be like just say they were like just say they were kidnapping. I mean, like that. Unfortunately, kidnapping kids is something that does uh, happen, as are aliens and uh, psychic beasts. But um, <laughs> but yeah, not it's time just travel. So that would be ridiculous. Not time travel. Oh god, no. no. Um, I do think that I like that it's a physical space that you can literally map these projections on, um, and you can imagine all these things that are happening, but some of which are linked to real things. So you mentioned Stranger Things a little bit earlier. Stranger Things was originally called Montauk. I don't know if you know that. I do. Uh, it's had one of the best show Bibles in the entire world. Oh, lovely. I haven't actually watched Stranger Things, which I oh now think I am wrong to not have done. But uh, Montauk, uh, as it was originally known, was based on a lot of the figures connected with the Montauk project, but then was moved to, uh, I think, a not real place. Or is it uh, in Indiana? It's not in. It's not in New York anymore. Stranger Things. So this this is sort of one of the things I quite like about the Montauk Project, though. Like usually people pick somewhere a bit remote or like really difficult to get to or something like this, and it's like this is Long Island. This is like <laughs> you know an hour drive for millions of people. It's not like this is sort of right in the middle of nowhere. And there's some absolutely wild stuff. Like that. It's it's supposedly like U.S. government paranormal experimentation isn't it yes. and it's like mainly the 70s is that right yeah it's mainly in the 70s but i think it kind of was born out before like talking about the real things that might have inspired it i think there was a specific case like uh, of the philadelphia experiment in 1943 mm. yeah which is to make this big old ship uh let me find it which was to make the u.s navy destroyer uh uss elridge invisible to german radar but then the theory came out that it vanished into a different dimension, which is quite different from making something invisible to radar. And I mean, it would work, though. It would work. (laughs) 
I'm actually really into a lot of this stuff because I'm I'm doing a show at the minute where I've been I've been writing for a couple of years that is is similarly sort of based within the sort of paranormal. And what I think so fascinating is that as soon as you really delve into this, all of these intelligence services, but particularly you know, the occult loving Nazis who did love a bit of the occult stuff. There was no doubt that they were into, you know, unpacking it, not just for, you know, wonderful um, sort of uh, incantations of Indiana Jones, but actually for real, for real, for real life purposes. And the Americans supposedly uh, in this kind of post-war beginnings of the Cold War looked for any and every advantage. And, you know, some of this goes from the sublime to the ridiculous, because some of it is literally like training dolphins to, you know, put bombs on the side of giant yeah. ships, you know. I love I love all that. I mean, I think like I think it's quite bad because I am like uh, in terms of animal experimentation. And I think there was some of this stuff that came up and was influenced uh influenced people's myths about uh the montauk project but i i i'm a dog person and whenever someone wants to win an argument they're like well you never see cats working with the police and i'm like they're hostages i'm quite against arming dolphins i just think they're too clever they will they will rise up and, sink yeah, and they, ha- they, they supposedly help us quite a lot when we're when we're drowning like they're supposedly very not malicious very generous with letting us ride on their backs um, so I, I have a theory on this i think like about nine in ten they like actively help drown and you never <laughs> hear from them but then like to keep the pr up to like keep us keep us sort of you know docile and not worried about the dolphin threat they sort of very visibly save someone now and then and we're all like oh dolphins they're nice let's train them how to use landmines we're getting away from the core of this so look so tell us what is going on with this thing what is going on in the center of the montauk project okay so um just very quickly because uh because it does link to exactly what you were saying the cia did have a mind control program which began in like the early 50s um and it was called mk ultra which sounds like it was paid for by the milton Keynes tourist board but (laughs) <laughs> they actually are the deep state, Milton Keynes. That's why there are so many roundabouts. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was like, I think what I love about conspiracy theories is that rumours feed other rumours. So people were, we people were saying on the grapevine um, that uh, Russia, like the Soviet Union and China were like experimenting with brainwashing and they were like, we got to keep up with, we, we got to keep up with Russia. We got to keep up with China. So they were actually yeah, they started like looking into it. They did like electroshock stuff, electroshock stuff. They dosed people with LSD. I don't know at what point it just became like a massive like party. But yeah, they, I think they destroyed the documents after that. So a lot of this stuff feeds out stuff that kind of sort of happened. Uh, but the Montauk project took place. It's based around the Camp Hero. Again, a great name, Air Force Base. And I've tried to find what's 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 annoying is when you're like, this is so interesting. And you try and find concrete dates and concrete uh, accounts and then it gets starts getting woolly. But I think the reason that this place is of such interest is that it had a radar tower, which broadcast, apparently, according to two very unreliable gentlemen, broadcast a frequency that could affect human consciousness. Yeah, it's like pre 5G. This this is yes. like yeah, really yeah. in that world. Yeah. So like the five, yeah, the 5G or the the, the 70s 5G. And there are two men specifically that have spoken about it. One who's written um, like 
a series of books about it. Is it called the Montauk Chronicles? I should know this. Experiments in time. Yeah, this is this is the wild thing about this conspiracy theory. It's like almost entirely trace backable to one guy. like two specific <laughs> guys who wrote this book series. Yeah. And like they seem to be and they kind of claim that they've got it all through suppressed memory or something. And yeah. they were actually all involved in it and all of this stuff. But like it's rare that you can actually point to two people and go, "Yeah, we know where this conspiracy theory came from." <laughs> it's these guys. Yeah, it's these pricks. Um, one of them, the one that wrote the books or co-wrote the books, was like Preston Nichols. He was like he was an engineer in the eighties, um, and he. I think it was like it is interesting to link it to people just sort of distorting stories for clout and people like Sarah Vine or Lawrence Fox sort of jumping on bandwagons without even really engaging with the story without caring what the um, facts are. Because mm-hmm. I think there was some mention that Preston Nichols just wanted to, uh, oh, either Preston or Stuart, but I'll say Preston, that some of these people, one of the key people that's responsible for kind of propagating the Montauk myth, just wanted to be more established in these kind of like new agey conspiracy theory circles. So they're like, everyone's got their pet theory. I'll put myself at the center of my own. Mm. I was there when the monster escaped from someone's brain. Yeah. Right, write some really like third rate science fiction and then go, it's kind of true. <laughs> Actually, there's some really interesting stuff here. And this is where I think this whole podcast actually gets some interest because in every sort of mad conspiracy, there's always some sort of grains of truth. And there's a guy called Graham Hancock, very sort of a sort of a controversial gentleman who he sort of his one of his sort of main things he did a TED talk that was banned called the war on consciousness which he basically in which he espouses the idea that the use of ayahuasca which is obviously the uh, the mind altering DMT based uh, hallucinogen which through quantitative uh, sorry a qualitative research and quantitative research has has demonstrated when it was legal and there were doing tests in the 70s that a lot of people were having this hallucinatory experience with a, 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 an entity that they believed to be called mother ayahuasca was in fact a, a gateway to for us to move consciousness to for us to actually utilize consciousness as an evolutionary form and a lot of the science that suggests that these drugs were being used and electroshock and telepathy and stuff. All these fringe science sort of uh, areas, as soon as we find out that a government organization was in some way funding some form of research into them, there's a good part of the mainstream that just dismisses it as tosh immediately. But did they also not say that anything that science could not understand immediately or couldn't exp- could, what we couldn't explain immediately is, is tantamount to magic, no? So, so, Sophie, I mean, you've looked into this. Do you think any part of this could have some sort of truth to it? Oh, I mean, so the whole thing with, like, telepathy, I, I get the uh, Eleven, the the girl, at least in the first series of Strange yeah. Things, is uh, basically like a sort of hardcore Matilda. Uh, and is the- <laughs> um, very angsty. Is that correct? I mean, I think yeah, she just sort of like goes angry. into the recess of her mind, but she can move shit. It's sort, sort of like puberty Matilda, yeah. Puberty Matilda. Oh, God, just wait. When Mara Wilson gets that. Uh, gets, oh, God, yeah. oh, no. Sorry, uh, Mara. Sorry, Mara, also a, a boss, or seemingly is, from her Twitter. But, uh, oh, she seems great on Twitter, yeah. Big fan. But um, 
so 11 can move, like move stuff. I think there's a, a type of science or at least like scientific research that approaches this called parapsychology. Mm, and is, yeah. when people, I really, I really wanted to be like Matilda. I really like to think that you can read people's minds, uh, rem- like remote viewing, especially as, uh, I don't, currently amazing that is amazing that can you explain because a lot of people it's a big tent this podcast we say a lot of things people might not understand what is remote viewing okay i need to i think it's when you can sort of see so i think the test that they've done it done on it within parapsychology is that say you're in another room but you are connecting somehow with someone in another place and so you can receive images uh that they would be seeing or connect to the place in which they are does that yeah. sound correct or have I That's, blended it is, it's using your It's using your uh, para body. It's using your sort of, it's sort of a bit like astral, astral planning. projection. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Astral projection. And supposedly the CIA had uh, viewers who they supposedly, this is all alleged, obviously, used to, for instance, look into Soviet missile silos in things like the Cuban Missile Crisis, as legend has it. And obviously, Obviously, then this became the sort of fodder for numerous sci-fi shows, be they The X-Files or um, there was that. What was that one as well that was around that sort of punk? As as the uh, undisputed Gillian Anderson of this podcast, (laughs) I should say... uh... None of these studies have ever replicated when anyone has found ESP or remote viewing. No, that, yes. is uh, that is true, but there, there have <laughs> been statistically significant results. Nothing's yeah. ever been proved, but there is data. <laughs> there is yeah. data. There is. There are things that we can't explain yes, or things yes. that point to that these things could exist. What Sophie's saying is really important here, because if we're going to open our minds in any way to the paranormal, you have to look at the difference between empirical research, which is generally what materialist, rationalist science is based on, and then qualitative research, which is obviously the experiences people are having. And just as an example, James Ball, Mr. Cynic, have you ever felt someone looking at you? No, you've never <laughs> felt. This is a lie, James. This is a. I know you have been in a bar and you have felt someone looking at you. This is not true, Sophie. Have you ever felt someone looking? Yeah, at you? all the all exactly. the bloody time. And I exactly. think I think that also like there's obviously stuff that could be interpreted. Like I used to have a lot of lucid dreaming. I also have sleep paralysis. Like it's really tempting to think that you're special when it's just like indigestion or like. <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah. like, I've tried to put thoughts in other people's minds, you know, like when you, when we, are you saying like you've never gone bowling and then just done that little dance to get like, <laughs> if you've done that, then you kind of believe in, you kind of I, believe in You could just be doing that with like pheromones, just really strongly exude miss. And you Guys, know, they might, they might pick I, up on it. I cosmic ordered and manifested that Gareth Bale would come back to Tottenham and it's happened. Okay. So I don't want to hear all this. Okay, it's I not believe. possible to affect the future with your own mind. Any football fan knows when they're watching television, they're affecting the game. That's why people have lucky, <laughs> lucky shirts, lucky pants, lucky socks. You know, it's, it, it is, this is, this is, it's almost as good as fact, isn't it? It's uh, just, just to loop us back to uh, the Montauk project, just because there is an absolutely amazing list. Uh, and especially for people who've seen um, Stranger Things, but there's a great list of stuff that literally just in the first book that they did. And they, you know, they do kind of go, yeah, we were both sort of, uh, you know, we both worked here but 
this this little bullet point list is all stuff that was just in the first book about what happened at Montauk. Uh, so the facility was expanded to 12 levels and several hundred workers without anyone in the town noticing building material. Homeless people were abducted and subjected to huge amounts of electromagnetic radiation. Few survived. Uh, people had their psychic abilities enhanced to the point where they could materialize objects out of uh, thin air. Experiments were conducted in teleportation. Um, a pothole in time was created, which allowed researchers to travel anywhere in time and space. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, contact was made with alien uh, extraterrestrials. Um, the time travel project at Camp Hero interlocked in hyperspace with the original Rainbow Project back in 1943. This was this uh, Philadelphia project that was the kind of real one. Uh, the USS Eldridge, this destroyer they were trying to make stealth, was drawn into hyperspace and trapped there. Um, Metahumans uh, and experiments in special serums to create such individuals were tested there. And then after the, uh, oh yeah, the monster, where's the monster? That was great. Yeah, what that was from the, the chair. Game? There was the Montauk chair, which could read your mind and uh, sort of uh, basically someone escaped, a, a, a monster apparently allegedly escaped from someone's mind through the machine. And, and, yeah. and that's <laughs> literally Stranger and, Things. Like, that is what an, an, alien, is. Yeah. An, an alien monster traveled through the time tunnel, destroyed equipment, and devoured researchers. The tunnel was shut down and the creature destroyed. Yeah. So, so and yes, it's uh, it, it really, you know, they've got quite a lot. Oh, and the uh, chief director of operations at the base was Nikola Tesla, uh, whose I death mean. was faked in a conspiracy. And just as a bonus, just to throw in a little bit extra, the AIDS virus was created there. Oh, oh wow. Well, well, I didn't even know oh. that bit about it. But I mean, <laughs> Guys, that, that looks is really... not in Stranger Things. That is not in it. That is <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for season four, clearly, you know. This is like that Margot Robbie conspiracy that just went all over the place for sex education. Are you telling me that AIDS is now guest starring in the third series of Stranger Things? Is that what's taking place? season four, that's the plot. We've obviously monstered this whole conspiracy and obviously there's a lot in it. Of everything that's in it, genuine question, what do you think is the most plausible? Oh, okay. I think... I think brainwashing is kind of the most plausible. I think that the CIA, especially with stuff like MKUltra, has kind of demonstrated, and this kind of feeds into just basically torture techniques. They haven't been mm. able to, you know, sort of, uh, what's it called, pilot people's bodies and put like messages into their minds, but they have basically broken down a lot of vulnerable people um, mm. who were used in their experiments and their trials, not all of which were consensual. There's a really shady character called Stuart Swerdlow. Um, there are some very uh, uh, odd footage of him who claims that he was a boy that had repressed memories that was um, picked up and used in the Montauk project. And he says, as part of all the other stuff that he spouts, that they kind of targeted vulnerable people, people that wouldn't be missed. So kidnapped children or um, sex workers or drug addicts, people that wouldn't be missed. But in terms of testing, uh, scientific testing, and also this kind of research, a lot of that did happen. Mm. Uh, and going all the way back to the start of the podcast where we talked about Saki Bartman, it is kind of like those communities that won't be missed, those women that are vulnerable, the people of color who kind of get put into these trials. And a lot of the trials that happened with MK Ultra, for instance, happened with um, 
sex workers and Johns, and they would try and give the Johns LSD. Um, wow. So like get the sex workers to drug the men they were sleeping with with LSD because they thought that they would be less likely to report this sort of shameful interaction they were having. So I think... I think the thing to, I think brainwashing is something, mind control brainwashing is something that we're all on some level subject to. And I don't doubt it's kind of, wouldn't exist, would it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt there's really scary stuff going on and being investigated right now. But I think the thing to take away from it is kind of, if there's any kind of big government drive, and I'm not going to say anything about vaccines, um, uh, but, I think that people who are vulnerable are kind of susceptible to abuse. So, yeah. This is this is kind of actually what what sort of sometimes freaks me out a little bit about some of these conspiracy theories because some really really dark shit really happened. And so you don't need to sort of imagine stuff like the the Montauk project. Um people might have heard of the um Tuskegee study. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it was basically a study I think of about six 600 uh, African-American men who they just left their syphilis untreated but didn't tell them that. They, they, they knew a treatment existed for syphilis. They told them they were giving them a treatment, gave them something useless and just monitored what it did to them. Yeah. And it killed like uh-huh. sort of, it killed hundreds of them and also left loads of them like disfigured or really ill or also, you know, able to spread the damn thing. Um, it's like this incredibly dark thing that ran right up until 1972 this is not some like dark ancient history thing and america only complained to the sort of people in the study uh like all their families and descendants at this point by 1997 like so as you know as as sophie was saying like some really dark shit happens against vulnerable groups and uh we end up like with these exaggerated versions of it, and the real stuff's right there. I don't think I don't think we can just say though that it's just because I think when we just say like vulnerable groups, and when we say like uh, you know it happens uh, in like you said like really really dark stuff. There's also stuff that is so obviously like part of an agenda to normalize certain things. And, you know, I speak as someone who was so susceptible to advertising and Mm -hmm. to Americana growing up and to the normality of things like watching American war movies where everyone who died was at that time when I was growing up more like Russians and Asians. And as I got older programs just like Homeland, you know, I literally had a bet with someone when I watched the most recent series of 24, how long will it be until someone shouts Allah Lakbar and is shot? And it's literally 12 seconds. Uh, (laughs) But the thing is that these sort of things also proliferate on a much more greater scale, where it's like, you know, Captain America is the leader of the Avengers who go into other countries to do what they will to save the world. Like, it's not, it doesn't take like a genius to see that some of these things like do seem to have some form of connotation that sort of seem to suggest that certain behaviors are normal and certain aren't. And when we say things like, quote unquote, mind control, when you talk about Project MK Ultra. These are techniques that are utilized on a mass scale through mass media to normalize things. I mean, that's not even controversial, is it? What I'm saying, particularly? I mean, I mean, I, f- I feel like it mangled the plot of the Avengers somewhat. But uh, <laughs> listen, to I will just, I, I'll I'll just, just address the huge Avenger lover as well. This is the problem. Uh, with me. 
I'm very Marvel, Marvel, Marvel fan should write to Jolian about his uh, inaccuracies there and not the rest of us. Listen, if anyone actually follows me on Twitter, they know how obsessed I am with the Avengers, Spider-Man, any movie like that I can just lose myself in. The problem is that there is some sort of truth. And I think, you know, so when you were looking at this, you know, like when you look at like Project MK Ultra and stuff like that, being, you know, it, it sort of makes some of the more crazy stuff more believable, no? I mean, I, yeah, I think that it doesn't, you it's tempting at an initial reaction to throw it all out but knowing that fat elements of this did happen and elements of it we will never know about because evidence was destroyed makes me think that maybe we just haven't progressed far enough in our understanding of what the human mind can do Mm. um yeah i don't think that the people that are coming to the fore of the story, specifically the Montauk Project, are the most reliable sources or the people we should be speaking to. Damn it! <laughs> I think press. I just, I just quite, quite like that the motive given for this, sort of possibly other than selling books, was just they wanted to be cool in a new age thing. Like, I quite like that this was all just invented to make friends and look cool, which is probably the motivation for like 95% of human activity. But obviously, we've got to that part of the podcast where unfortunately we're going to have to decide whether this is real or fake. And sadly, even though I would 100% watch the next 10 series of Stranger Things, even if it was called The Montauk Project, I'm going to have to say I think this is, it's false. It's not real. What do you think, guys? I mean, you would say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very explained about the tower. And uh, uh, also, everything happens in New York. like even the Ghostbusters. Um, I think it's <laughs> I think it's probably I think no, it's definitely fake, but I think it uh I think it has elements of yeah, I think it has elements of stories that definitely have a lot of sinister things going on in them. I think it's basically a sort of it's been like it's a lightning rod for lots of different flavours of batshit. But some of the stuff that some of the stuff people are talking about isn't hypothetical and has at least been attempted. So look, Sophie, before we quickly wrap up, where can people find you online? People can find me at Sophie Dukebox, which is my handle on Insta and Twitter and is the easiest place. And if they want to catch up with stuff I've been doing recently, they can watch me on Frankie Boyle on iPlayer, Frankie Boyle's New World Order, or listen to my Obsessed with I May Destroy You podcast. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on The New Conspiracist. As always, guys, it's really massively helpful if you could share this podcast with your racist uncle or your naive mum. And make sure that you subscribe and actually rate the podcast. But we're only interested in five-star guys, all right? We like Deliveroo and Uber. We're not interested in any other ratings. So Jolly actually gets fired if the rating falls below 4.5. Exactly. You know, just exactly. like an Uber driver. Exactly. James James once again won't pay me VAT, just like the Uber drivers. Um, so listen, thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on the show. Have you had a good time? I've had a brilliant time. As I told you, uh, in a state of near constant orgasm, James Dolan, it's, it's been a treat. Please write that as a review. Please write that as a review. That is so good. All right, for listening. We will be back next week. Thank you for continuing to stay with the new conspiracist. And James, it only leaves me to say, can you just do the truth is out there? The truth is out there. Copyright to someone else. You've heard it from us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. 